Hello and welcome to Minta Dialogue, episode number 114. This interview is with Rylan Holy, EMEA Partner Manager for Hootsuite, the versatile and robust social media manager system. Listening to Rylan speak at the Social Media Week panel in London, which is hosted by Like Minds on the subject of music, I jumped on the occasion to interview Rylan. With a background in music and working in social, Rylan is passionate about social business. In this interview, we talk about how the classical music industry has been evolving with all this world of social and what it takes to make a business more social, whether it's an orchestra or an industry. Plus, Rylan provides us with some hot tips for Hootsuite users. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, so I just, uh, we're at Social Media Week in London and uh, with our great friends at Like Minds, I just attended a panel that was all about social media and music. And uh, on the panel was a man called Rylan Holy. So Rylan, tell us who you are, what you do, and how would you describe your mindset? <laughs> Hi, uh, thanks, Mint. Um, name's Rylan Holy. I'm uh, the partner manager at Hootsuite, so I work with um, all of our agencies and um, partners across Europe. Uh, Mindset, I think it's just, it's two things a lot of the time, just music and social, so, um, and, well, social media and music, right. so. Uh, well, one of the funny things about, you know, as we're doing this uh, panel about music is really music was one of the first industries to completely be revolutionized, and since you're a cellist, you've been in it the, from the beginning, I would imagine. Yeah, so for me, like, um, I find it really interesting how, how, in some ways, music helped to revolutionise social as well. Right. Social media, at the same time, they're so in- intrinsically linked. Um, you know, you think about the big acts that started off and, um, you know, all the, all, all the, the followers, that, you know, Katy Perry getting 50 million followers. And, you know, these are groundbreaking things, largely from musicians and artists. And then, at the same time, you know, coming from classical music background you know we see how music's you know socials helps to innovate there you know things like live stream of concerts and operas from the LSO and Wigmore Hall and um, and the Opera House it's just it's just changed how music is sort of listened to and disseminated to massive audiences now right so it's kind of I mean, uh, broadcast out there all the the big uh, big stars using social Classical music, on the other hand, is not what you would expect. I mean, I've seen, you know, you see those YouTube videos of, you know, the big silent pause and then the telephone breaks out and a couple of musicians and bands take, out, take on the right way and, and you actually recopy it and there's kind of fun memes around that. Mm. But for the most part, social and classical music doesn't seem to rhyme together. How do you see it? Well, funnily enough, when I, so I used to um, head up digital at Wigmore Hall a few years back, and you know, it was one of the most sort of stoic organisations. You know, we're you know, it's chamber music, and which generally comes, you know, and we're, we're honest. We were honest about it. It comes to people often a bit later in their lives, you know, and you know, I mean, I love chamber music anyway, but um, yeah, it's fantastic. And but the thing is, though, it's still a community. There's still a community out there, and a lot of that community is using social. So. Firstly, a lot of the conversations around, you know, socials for kids, that's just, you know, there's no need to talk about it anymore. We know that Facebook, the audience is getting older, you know, more people are using it now. So what, what social can help do is firstly tap into those users, tap into that audience, and also 
I think for a lot of classical music, it's about making it more human and getting to the artists and the people who are behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, Wigmore Hall, not so much, is, is sort of a bit more interesting in terms of it's, it's a physical venue, so it's a lot about getting to the artists that come in and playing at the hall, but also as an institution, it's making us have a voice which is more acceptable and more, more, more accessible, sorry, mm-hmm. to everyone. Um, Whereas you'll have someone like uh, the LSO who have potentially got all these artists out there in, the, in, their, in their orchestra that could be, you know, that can be speaking on behalf of the orchestra and, and talking about it. And it's about getting those people doing it right. And people care about them, you know. People care about the artists and not these organizations. You know, I, I, fascinating. Um, so you, when you were, you, you were speaking, you only mentioned it en passant, but uh, Joe Johnson and the London Symphony Orchestra. So do, do, you, do you have an idea of how she and or they are trying to get members of their band, you know, orchestra, sorry, yeah. to, to be tweeting on their behalf or whatever? Well, they, they, they actually already do. Uh, I think it's um, the, the clarinet, I think it's either the clarinetist or flautist, unfortunately, I, I can't remember his name, but um, he... he we'll put much, those in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he pretty much spearheaded what they were doing and in terms of, he started this uh, on tour blog, People started, and he's now contributing to LSO's social as well. And you know, he's got a big following, and he converted his his stories into into a book, which is pretty exciting for for, for an orchestra to do that. And and you know, now they're showcasing their artists much more, I think. And you know, when it's all about the people in that orchestra, and even the advertising campaigns which you see around town, you know, it's about it's about the community that they have within their orchestra now. Well, you know, one of the things I think you might have said it, Ryland, was that uh, people don't want to get in touch with the brand. And they want to get in touch with the people who are at the work. Mm-hmm. So this, that, I get that. I think many people who are listening to this get that. On the one, on the other hand, you've got big institutions that I carry the weight: New York Times yeah. uh, or BBC. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's where the the brand has the value, and it's the it's the guarantee, the guarantor. Yeah. The individuals are the ones, of course, the, with the personality. How has the LSO tried to sort of navigate through that path? I think um, I probably couldn't speak too much to the LSO themselves, but I mean, let's think about some of the the, 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 the larger organisations and how they're actually trying to leverage. I mean, you mentioned a few there, but some of the people that Hootsuite works with, for example, uh, are people like uh, Orange, Virgin, um, through to the different banks like Tangerine in, in North America, uh, and some of the high street banks here. And what what, what I think we're, we're trying all trying to do now is find a way that you can scale social in those organisations. And this would apply to an orchestra if they were to ever go and get everyone onto social. It's a similar kind of thing. You know, you've got potentially, if you think about in your organization, you've got, you can massively increase the reach of your messaging, of your brand, of your advocacy, if you're able to empower your audience, your, your employees of social. So, so, I mean, before the show, a couple of days before, hey, I can't wait to play. Uh, we're going to be playing, uh, you know, Tchaikovsky's uh, Fifth or whatever, and blah, 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 and yeah. it gets people coming. Exactly. And, you know, you think, um, you, you, as it is, an orchestral player, you know, you're, you're going to be sharing. Firstly, you're going to be regarded, highly regarded already as an orchestral player. You have connections with the, you know, the artists and then conductors and the soloists which come along. Share those stories. There's loads of stories which happen in those sort of situations and rehearsals and stuff. I mean, obviously, you don't want to annoy the conductor by <laughs> not him again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, use your. You can use your 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 orchestra to actually you know, have a massive impact on your audience and actually increase the reach. So as you're saying, you know, promoting concerts will just come naturally, whatever artists we're interested in today, making them thought leaders. So let's, you know, within the world of Hootsuite, 
it allows you to scale. And we're talking about, in a sense, becoming social business. So that's to say, or as I like to describe it more, is making your employees more social um, people behind what you believe in. Because obviously, if they don't believe in it, then I think you're going nowhere very fast. What kind of accompaniment do you think needs to happen in order for a, a company to scale their social employees? I think it all starts with um, strategy, to be honest. I think before you embark, well, actually, let's take a few different steps. So I come, often have five steps in this kind of thing where you're talking about how you can, can tr- transform a business. So one of them, I think, it often comes from having someone who's a bit of a sort of champion or an entrepreneur within the business. So sort of an entrepreneur, you might want to say. So um, one of the things I used to do, actually, when I was at a law firm was digital marketing. And being in a law firm was a challenging environment to change a business around. But Especially in a law firm. Yes, exactly. And it, it can be difficult. So for me, it was really important to you know start people thinking differently about social um, and, and just talking about all the time and making connections with you know, the managing partners, all this kind of stuff. Um, secondly, I, I would really focus first on... on in terms of strategy, put social aside, don't talk about that at all, look at what the business is trying to achieve, what are the business's objectives, is it to increase brand loyalty, is it to improve customer service, is it to reduce costs, anything like that. Reaching an audience. Exactly, exactly. Look at that, what are the structures of the business uh, in terms of how the departments are headed out, and what are each of those departments' pain points as well. So what is IT looking to achieve? Is it to reduce risk? Is it HR trying to make this company an awesome place to work and get the best talent? Look at all of that. Then you can start marrying, once you've figured all that out, you can start marrying social to those business objectives. So putting a strategy in place that would tie social to what you're trying to achieve in those business objectives, such as increasing MPS, uh, Net Promoter Score. Um, and then it's about once you've sort of got that in place and you've got a plan, you've got a strategy, you've got the technology to underpin that infrastructure as well, which is kind of where Hootsuite would come in to provide the sort of place where your employees can be empowered with social and teams across the organization can be using social. That's where it can really come in. And then on top of that, you, you'll have um, you know, your metrics, what you're trying to achieve, and your proof of concept where you've seen it work in one department. And actually, in the law firm, we've had one partner in one department in particular that was doing really well. And everyone goes, oh, we need to do that. The other thing that's important about having those metrics and proof of concepts is that you'll then be able to go to the C-suite and win the buy-in. So that's a really important part as well. And when you're going to the C-suite, you have to, your, your, your executives, you have to change how you're talking. You can't go to them anymore and say, we're going to get loads of likes and followers and clicks and engagement. It doesn't mean anything to them, and they're not interested. Exactly. So if you go to them and say... If we do this, we're going to see a dramatic increase in the number of warm leads that we're getting, and we're going to close, shorten our sales cycles. If we do this social bit, social is going to help us to have our customers constantly engaged with, and they're going to be improving our brand equity with them, and also their customer service is going to be much much more agile because we're going to be able to deal with all of this online and make it much easier for them. So. I totally get you, Ryan. And- the, the pushback, of course, at a certain level is, well, how is social actually doing that? Mm. Because as you describe it, just like you were saying in the, as you were building up, there's this notion that it's sort of like a salad you're putting together in order to get more leads and a shorter conversion time to, get, to convert into sales. But the idea is extracting the social and say, well, if you're going to spend that much time, how do you know that that's an effective allocation of time? Yeah, so I think it, it comes down to one main thing, which is 
well, two things. Firstly, social so far has been sort of put on a silo on its own and its own thing, generally from marketing, which has been fantastic up, up until now. But where it changes now and where Hootsuite's coming is that social needs to be a core part of your business objectives and core part of what everyone is doing potentially in a business. So where I see it really happening as well, and which is where Hootsuite's coming in, is actually providing that infrastructure which allows you to tie in all those measurements together to collect that data to really show the ROI. So, you know, we've got integrations with, with CRM systems such as Salesforce and uh, Nimble and Sugar CRM uh, through to um, web analytics tools. So, uh, like uh, Web Trends, Google Analytics and um, others. And, and, and what will then happen is you can effectively say, okay, um, let's put this message out let's measure its impact on social, but then let's see when's the best time to send this message during the week, which is going to generate the most basket returns. So you can be really granular in terms of getting that data and really start showing the value like you never could before. So if I'm a, if I'm a C-suite person, I'm not necessarily going to be interested in the back office back there, but I guess the point is, or the question I would be encouraging them to ask their team is, so what are we measuring and show me the data? Yeah, absolutely. And I think up until recently, it was very hard to do a lot of that measurement. I mean, now if you're looking at things, uh, one of the things we, uh, one of the tools we recently acquired is something called Uberview. It's going to be uh, called Hootsuite Analytics soon, and that's one of those uh, a listening tool where you can actually get real actionable data for people. So. One of the challenges has been that when you're coming to the C-suite, you're really seeing a, um, you, you want to make sure that that data means something. There's something there, and it's real time as well. So, when with, with, with tools like. Uberview, we can actually make that data really actionable, get some actionable insight, and you can really see the sentiment change or the conversation increase or the, 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 the you know what people are talking around around your brand very easily through social. And then, obviously, tying into all the metrics like follower growth and, and, and things like that, which may not mean anything on its own, but when you tie that into a business objective, it can, it can mean something. Isn't, isn't some of the part problem with that, that data is that it lives in isolation if you can't sort of benchmark it against other competitors, do you, do you have, I mean, let's say for my objective is to get more leads. Well, I've got a hundred more than I had last week and that's good or bad. I can judge against my own benchmark. At a certain point, that's sort of, you know, within my cycle and my own objectives, which is normal. But how do we know when we're doing well? I think, as you mentioned already, there's a little bit of benchmarking against yourself. Always set your own benchmarks and goals and achievements and what you want to achieve and, and really look at... I think in terms of you, you know that socials work for you if it has had an impact on those objectives and maybe it's not going to work every time and it's, it's about failing fast as well, you know, the, you know, the stuff that we all talk about. Um, and yes, you can benchmark against your competitors quite easily, you know, and, but it's not so much, in some cases, it's not so much um, quantitative, you know, you, it's a lot about qualitative as well, you know, you want to look at who's doing the good content and really getting people engaging with what we're doing and, and it, it, the numbers may not mean, you may have a lot, a lot less numbers, but you're actually active a much, uh, you know, a much smaller community, yeah, and stronger activation of your audience. Even though, you know, let's say, you know, Brand X has got tens of millions of followers, and this other one's got ten thousand. You know, that ten thousand might be a much stronger community. So, uh, but then you've obviously you have to take that to the the, the C-suite and, and your directors and make that make sense for them. You know, because it could. Well, I, mean, I think making sense is the big part of it. Really, the meaningfulness of it. If there's ten thousand that are engaged, it's probably some greater meaning, some greater mission that you're on, yeah. as opposed to just going for the number. Time is short. I'm going to ask you one last question, Rylan, and that is what, what kind of secret juice, secret tips can you provide for us What would be useful um, for me in business using Hootsuite? And what kind of like, you know, new functions would you really like to tell us about? 
Okay, I think there are a couple of things. Firstly, one of the one of the bits we have in beta at the moment is suggested content. So, I think all of us we've got it's, we struggle with time, and you know, Hootsuite's designed to save us all time. So, one of the things we released is finding content which is related to what you've shared in the past, and so also, it analyzes what you've done. Yeah. And uh, and when was this launched? Uh, it just uh, at the I think a few months ago we had our first event in London called Connect by Hootsuite in London, and we announced it there. Uh, and yeah, really the idea around that is to find you know put in some topics which you're interested in and then share, have the content come to you so you can share that out and add commentary to that so you've got a, a nice way to find new content and then on top of that there's also the Hootlet as well which is which What's is, a Hootlet? So the Hootlet's a, a Chrome extension which we have which makes you know sharing just part of what you're doing every day and tying sort of uh, non-social activities such as Google search into being social. So some of the cool things in Hootlet is that you're typing a search in Google about, you know, a uh, plant pot or something, and you'll get all the conversations as well through the Hootlet that are happening on social around that. Or you could be on Google Maps and say, uh, you know, let's say we're in, in this cafe, we want to see all the social conversations happening around here, just go to Hootlet, find this, well, in Google Maps, find the point, and then in Hootlet you'll see all the tweets which are coming from this location. So it's only in Chrome? Uh, only in Chrome at the moment. Uh, I'm sure the team are working on that. It's from our Hootsuite Labs division, which started out, uh, I think, at the end of last year, which is all around, you know, driving innovation still within Hootsuite. You know, we're always innovating at Hootsuite in general, but, you know, it's great that we've got this Labs division and you can just go the next st- stage forward. And I would everything. say that's, that, that idea alone is something that people listening to this should be uh, looking to incorporate into their business, this idea of a Labs Give it the freedom, of course, to roam and try stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you know, any businesses grow. You know, we're growing so fast at Hootsuite, and it's really exciting. You know, when I started in London, there was only around 20 people here, and that was just a, a year and a half ago. Now we're nearly at 100 people, um, and that kind of growth means that yeah, processes are coming and it happen, and it's, it's just embrace that change. But you know, it's great that as a company we've done this so early to do this uh, to do Hootsuite Labs, and uh, our founder Ryan Holmes is really, really, really um, happy about. Well, what I can say is that I love the Hootlet. So, Ryan, what's the best way for someone to track you down, follow you, or get in touch with you? <laughs> uh, naturally on Twitter. So you can find me at HolyTonal, Holy which is H-O-L-E-Y-T-O-N-A-L. Spectacular. I'll put the, um, we'll, we'll follow up with the, uh, the sh- in the show notes all the other comments and links that you have in there. Thanks for coming on the show, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes, that really makes my day. Happy trails, and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray. You mention in your lack of self security. Oh, I wouldn't care about the art form as long as you would feel warm, wrapped in canvas. Hold me tightly, slowly.
just bland and look ugly in the end. But they're pretty in their own disgusting values. We'd hang our portraits in the hallways, make our house guests cringe. Oh, I wouldn't care about the The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.